It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the football fanatics, football gurus, Uncle Dave and Steve Raider. You guys can find them on Twitter as well at Dave underscore Essler and at Avoid the Vig. Guys, here we go. NFL Week 2. Uncle Dave and Steve, we're going to go ahead. We're going to trot through six games here. Uncle Dave went ahead, did the work. He said, here's the games we're doing. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to follow Uncle Dave's orders this week. Uncle Dave, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk about two teams that you're rather familiar with, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo, they're going to be on the road here at Miami. Miami last week, they beat your beloved New England Patriots. The Bills, they fall at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Current line on this game right now, Buffalo minus three. Uh, with some heavy juice, there are some minus three and a halfs out there as well in favor of Buffalo. Total right now, 47 and a half or 48, depending on what book you shop at. Steve, I'll go ahead. I'll start with you. I'll save Uncle Dave till last. How are you feeling about that Bills and Dolphins game? Well, at the opener, we gave out Miami plus three and a half. And uh, of the releases that we've had so far, this is by far the one that I'm least confident several days later. When you take a, a play at the opener, it doesn't allow you to kind of take everything in. Uh, you don't have time to process all the stats, the in, uh, the injuries, the idiosyncrasies that make up the game. Sometimes you take a play like New England minus three and a half, which we took, and it turns out to be New England minus six, and you feel great about it, like we are right now. And sometimes you take Miami plus three and a half, and you're left a little bit uneasy. The standings in the scoreboard have Miami 1-0 and Buffalo 0-1, but the stats say something differently entirely. Buffalo in a, were in, in the opponent's territory 11 times and only manufactured one touchdown. They had eight penalties for 81 yards, six of which were offensive holding. They lost a turnover battle and gave up a special teams touchdown. Buffalo dominated the first half but came out stagnant in the second. 51 pass attempts for Josh Allen, which was a career high. And I, a lot of that is attributed to what Pittsburgh did on defense. They played a lot of zone defense, which actually is against what Josh Allen likes to do. So he had was forced to take a lot of the underneath plays in that respect. On the contrary, Miami plays a lot of man defense, which plays into Allen's strength. So it's going to be interesting to see how that translates this upcoming week. Uh, Miami, as you mentioned, beat New England. They gave up over 100 QB rating to a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones in his first start, didn't pick him off, and gave up 100 yards rushing to Damian Harris. New England was 11 of 16 on third down, which clearly is a concern for Miami because that's a horrible third down efficiency. It's difficult to win a game when you can't get off the field on third down, but Miami managed to do so. And I'm not sure, what does that do? Does that mean it's like bend and don't break defense that we should be excited about Miami? Or is that something that says maybe uh, this is a sign of things to come and they aren't able to get off the field in that respect? On the other side of the ball, two is going to have trouble against the Bills secondary that finished fourth last year in pass defense and held Ben Roethlisberger to just 188 yards and a loss. My original handicap predominantly uh, predicated on Miami being a divisional home dog catching more than a field goal with two points worth of um, power rating value through the key number of three. So there was a lot of things just right there that I like about it. But as I dig into it, I'm not as much in love with it as I was uh, on Sunday night. But Buffalo is hungry at, at 0-1, and it's a bad matchup for Miami. I don't hate Miami catching a little bit more than the field goal, and, and right now you can get chop and get minus three or plus three and a half if you have a different book. Um, but if I had my druthers right now, if I could start over, this is probably something that I would pass at, sit back and try to learn something from. Uh, I'm not devastated that we have that Miami three and a half ticket, but that's certainly not one of the ones that I'm super excited about coming into the week. All right, solid stuff there from Steve. How about you there, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about this game? Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can hear the angst in Steve's voice about Miami, and I, I like Miami here. You know, I would admit that Tua isn't there, uh, 
And that's based on one bad play in New England when he tried to scramble like he probably could have gotten away with in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, he forced a pass. It was picked. But I think that's a fixable problem if it, you know, as long as it's not habitual. And I don't think it is. And bear in mind that Tua played on the road last week and also in front of fans for the very first time. And, you know, the Dolphins have, in my mind, I think a significant coaching advantage. And sorry, Buffalo fans. I think that was evident last week if it wasn't before. You know, the Dolphins won that game that they were statistically destined to lose. And the Bills lost a game they were statistically destined to win. And I look against the Steelers. Buffalo ran 24 more plays, converted 8 of 18 third downs, held the Steelers at 252 yards, and lost. You know, and Miami was in the exact opposite staff position and won. So when you can win a game without your best, I mean, I think that's big. And, you know, now they face a Bills team that hung 56 on them to close out last season. I don't think Miami forgot that. And they play, obviously, the preseason division favorites. They can hand them a second loss and, and have a two-game lead two games into the season. I mean, that's huge. And they play a Bills defense that I think is marginal at best. Uh, they were below average last year in both yards per play and third down conversion percentage. Miami's defense actually led the league in third down stops. So, you know, when I add all that up and I, you know, you add up playing in the humidity, and I think that's just an added bonus for me since, you know, the stats we have, and I think the situation both tell me this is a WTF game or maybe wrong team favorite. So I bet the Dolphins plus three and a half and, and might not need them. So that's where I did, you know, I kind of, I went with my, I went with my instinct. I don't like to flop, although sometimes you want to. And for me, if I flop to Buffalo and Miami wins, I'm going to be really pissed. So I'm better off sticking with my gut and losing mentally. Uh, so I, I like the Dolphins. All right. Well, there you guys go. For me, I don't like a side. I'm going to have to pass the side. I think the total is probably where to go. I was encouraged with what I saw last week from the Bills defense. They held Pittsburgh down, I thought, rather well. And I think the Dolphins defense here at home will probably show up. I'm not convinced that either team's probably going to be able to move the football a whole lot. And I think if Buffalo really relies on trying to get the ball to Stephon Diggs, he's not going to have an easy matchup. So I could see both teams being slowed down here. I like the under 48. I think that's a very good number. When I looked at it, I was thinking maybe I would see somewhere around 44 for this particular game. And maybe it just has to do with, you know, how many points the Bills up put up last year. But, again, I think that Diggs is going to have kind of a tough matchup here. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the under in this one. I like under 48. Uh, that might even be like a one- or a two-star play for me. All right, guys, let's shift over to Kansas City at Baltimore. Kansas City right now minus three and a half. Total 54 and a half. Uncle Dave, I'm going to let you run on this one first. Chiefs, Ravens, how you feeling? I look at this as a tale of one team that did what they had to when they had to in the Chiefs and one that didn't in the Ravens. So, you know, the initial reaction here, I think of the betters might be the right one to go ahead and take Kansas City. You know, are the Chiefs going to roll Baltimore, who's also on short rest? Um, you know, look at that line. That, you know, if it's three, the spread says the Chiefs would be minus six at home, give or take, or the same number they were against the Browns last week. So, in essence, that's saying that Baltimore and Cleveland are similar in power rankings. And, you know, if the Ravens closed minus three on Monday night, they'd be minus six at home uh, to uh, the Raiders, in which case everybody would have been on the Raiders. So when I add this all up, um, the value, I think, is clearly on Kansas City. Uh, in as much as home underdogs, I think, in primetime are trendy bets. You know, I, I like the Chiefs. I think they're clearly in a better headspace. 
They have a better coach. They have the better quarterback. And after Monday night's meltdown, I think they have the better defense. You know, and I've I've won many big bets fading Lamar Jackson and his inability to protect the ball over the years. And that was the case yet again Monday night. Um, and something like that might not mean I might never bet on Baltimore, but it makes them hard to bet on, like, for me ever. Um, I just don't think they're built to play from behind. Um, I saw the stat today where uh, Jalen Hurts already has more 300-yard passing games than Lamar Jackson. So uh, they're not built to play from behind, and I don't think the Chiefs are going to let them play with the lead. Uh, Chiefs are good at playing from behind or playing with the lead. They've beaten Baltimore four straight, twice in Baltimore, scored 33 or more three of those four games. So, so much for the highly touted uh, Ravens defense. And again, you know, see Monday, see what they let the Raiders do. You know, I'll take Kansas City for all the above reasons and the fact that they're probably in the Ravens' heads, to be honest with you. I, I heard people talking about that Raider game saying it was, oh, maybe a look ahead to this game. I just laugh. Nobody, nobody has a look ahead in week one. So I think this is one game where the initial reaction uh, to the Chiefs and the, the betters kind of piling on them early might be right. So I actually like Kansas City here, guys. Yeah, Uncle Dave, that's a pretty square pick. And when I woke up and I started looking at this game, I thought the same damn thing that I thought everything that you basically said, I looked at this and I said, this line should probably be minus six. And I'm like, taking Kansas city seems pretty square. But if you go back to, you know, a lot of games last year where it looked like you should probably be playing against that team. And maybe let's just say it's a square pick kind of situation. You know, they went out and they, they performed well, they went on the road, they covered, I mean, that, they were a pretty good road team last year, if memory serves me correct. I don't see how we take Baltimore here at minus three and a half, and I don't even see how the hell – or plus three and a half, and I don't even see how the hell you could take them at plus six. It would take me like plus seven and a half or like plus ten to be on Baltimore in this particular game. And I think the the, the reasons are justified. What? How the hell are they going to run the football? You're going to end up being in this game more than likely, and it's going to have to be a shootout. And I don't want Lamar Jackson in a shootout versus Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and, and Kelsey. I just don't want it. Baltimore's defense right now is banged up. Their offense is getting a little bit banged up. I just I don't know how this line is what it is. I think a lot of it has to do with maybe a situation where if both of these teams were healthy and Baltimore was coming on, coming back home off of a loss. But you touched on Uncle David, short rest. I think that was kind of a a heartbreaker loss for Baltimore. I mean, they had their chances to certainly win that game. I mean, the Raiders basically won that game three times, if you ask me. But, yeah, I don't know, Uncle Dave. I'm with you 100%. And if this is the square play and the the, 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 the Joes are on this one, I'm with the Joes here. So my gut feeling, Uncle Dave, says that we see this one being a pros and Joes kind of game. I just don't know how the hell you get to Baltimore in this particular game. So, um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm with you 100%, Uncle Dave. I'll, I'm happy to lay the three and a half. I'll lay the hook here. I think the line's just wrong. I think there's a bad matchup for Baltimore here. So uh, with all that said, Steve, what are you thinking? Well, it's funny because uh, Dave picked the games for this week, and I feel like a lot of the games that we have are plays that we've already given out. Uh, so we actually gave out KC minus one at the look-ahead line, and that was actually something that was tipped off by Dan Rivera that put me onto it, so we gave it out to everybody. Um, ultimately, you know, we have great value right now, right? It's sitting at three and a half. Uh, I downgraded Baltimore after those cluster injuries at the running back position. And certainly with Marcus uh, Peters being out for the year, that is not something that you want to have happen when you're playing KC. 
I downgraded them even further when they weren't impressive against Las Vegas, uh, a team that's projected to win under 500. Uh, Harbaugh uh, was looking like his brother in Michigan out there. Uh, there were some really bad coaching decisions from the game uh, this past uh, Monday night. Uh, Darren Waller was all over the place. I think he had 19 targets uh, and was just absolutely killing it against a Jimmy Smith-less uh, secondary. If Smith's out again, Casey has another tight end. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but his name is uh, Travis Kelsey, and he's apparently pretty decent. I'd expect him to get his fair share of targets on Sunday, and that might be a player prop that we uh, look to exploit moving forward. Um, but Casey wasn't overly impressive either. They got the win, but Casey lost the rushing battle 2-1. to one. They lost the YPP battle 8.25 to 6.5. And they were plus two in turnovers. Casey in the last 12 games are 10 and two uh, straight up, but they're two and 10 against the spread. And nine of the last 10 wins were less than a touchdown. So I hear what you're saying. I, I definitely, definitely do. And I'm happy that we have that Casey minus one ticket, but I'm certainly not looking to lay more than a field goal. In fact, there was a time and place that I was considering the Baltimore plus four. Uh, but in, in all honesty, I can make a case for Casey minus three and Baltimore plus four. And, you know, if you're thinking like that, that's when you step aside and just say, listen, I'm going to watch the rest of this game. I'm not going to play any more than what we already have on that KC minus one. And we're going to see if we learn something here. Um, I can make a good case for either team why you'd back them. And I can certainly make a good case why you would uh, stay away from the game. All right. Solid stuff there from Steve. You know, one of the things I didn't get to mention with my KC handicap is, you know, I believe, you know, with they come, you know, they, they go, they're playing a home game and Cleveland comes in there and scares the living daylights out of them, almost beat them. I think that served as a wake-up call for Kansas City that, you know, the teams that maybe they thought that they could roll over, maybe a team like the Cleveland Browns who, you know, they beat last year even with, you know, Mahomes not out there playing, maybe it served as a wake-up for them. And I know that this is going to be a road game here. So I just wonder if they're extra alert for this particular game. And if they just go in there and, they, and you know, they with guns blazing, try not to mess around, you know, with this Baltimore team, you know, in, in their house. So, Solid information there on that game. Let's jump over to the Cowboys at the Chargers. Right now, Chargers minus three and a half, total 55. Uh, I don't have much of an opinion on this particular game. I haven't had much time to go ahead and dig in and look really at the Chargers. Watched all the Cowboy game, though, when they did play. Steve, I'll start with you with this one. Cowboys, Chargers, how are you feeling about that one? It's interesting because Dallas looked incredible on national television against the Super Bowl defending champions and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But when you look at the game, they were plus three in turnovers. It's extremely difficult to lose a game that you're plus three in turnovers, yet the Cowboys managed to do the improbable. I mentioned it before, but it's worth repeating. The team that wins the turnover battle is more indicative of the winner than the team that is leading at halftime. Even with that edge, they couldn't win the game. So that's concerning to me. With that being said, I did upgrade Dallas because I thought Dak actually looked better than I expected him to. I had serious concerns about him coming into the season with the uh, multiple injuries that he had. Uh, Elliot was ridiculed for his lack of production. You know, you look at the stat sheet and, and it doesn't seem like Elliot performed very well, but he was incredible in pass protection and Dallas recognized running against Tampa is like running through a wall. So it, it didn't make sense for them to do it. So they kind of threw that out the window. So I do expect a little bit of a bounce back here from Elliot, but there's been some love about Pollard moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see how that, um, you know, running back situation moves forward throughout the season. Uh, Dallas is a team that will go as far as their offense takes them because their defense is absolutely pathetic. Uh, the Chargers, on the other hand, and this is kind of where it led to another bet that we've already given out, uh, is coming off a victory against the Washington football team. Fitzpatrick was injured during the game and Heineke came in in relief, which doesn't strike fear in the heart of anyone. Uh, the new offensive line actually held up pretty well against Washington. And, you know, currently as we're recording this right now, uh, the Giants are getting pummeled 
uh, by the Washington offensive line, but that's uh, a story for another day. Yet the Chargers was only able, were only able to score 20 points on six trips in the red zone. That's a major concern, or is it a major actionable opportunity moving forward? I, I'm certainly leaning towards the latter here. Considering it's a 1-0 versus an 0-1 team, I'm staying away from the side, but I think it's going to be a very high-scoring affair, particularly with the Chargers, who go against a porous Dallas defense. Uh, their score was suppressed last week due to an inefficiency in the red zone, and Washington tried to money up the game because they did not have that quarterback, which is why we gave out uh, the Los Angeles Chargers over 28.5 for the team total. All right, good stuff there from Steve. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the three and a half points here with Dallas, and it comes down to what you said, Steve, that that Dallas offense is is pretty damn good. I'm not sure if the Chargers offense can keep up in a shootout with somebody like Dallas. This is the way I feel. And the hook is what's really buying me in here. You know, the fact that the Chargers got a win and the fact that Dallas went and they played the Super Bowl champions on the road came up short in a game that, you know, I felt like Dallas was live in to win in that particular game. So the three and a half is really what's getting me. But look, I, I, it comes down to Dak Prescott's healthier than probably anybody thought. He threw the ball a ton. He looked good. So I don't know if I can necessarily buy into Dallas's defense being as bad as it was last year. I think this is going to be a good measuring stick because if they go out and, you know, they let up, you know, 30 plus points to the Chargers, then we're probably looking at Dallas going, OK, this is the same team last year that we saw for like the first five games, Dak's going to have to throw for five or 6,000 yards this year to go in and get them through. So again, it's week two, we're still learning, but three and a half for me is just, uh, it's too many points to pass up. I like the fact that Dak looks healthy. I love that Cowboys offense. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to buy in on the hook here. I'll take the three and a half points with Dallas. How about you, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about that one? Yeah, I, I uh, for a lot of the reasons Steve mentioned, uh, did slash do like the over. Uh, but the caveat there is, uh, and why I didn't bet it, is, you know, I could have had as low as 50 somewhere. Uh, even Circa opened at 52 and a half. So, you know, do I want to take a number today at, you know, basically a field goal more? Um, you know, it's 56 at South Point in Vegas. So uh, the answer there is probably not. Um, they may score 70, but um, theoretically, I just have a hard time doing that. I mean, then I look at the side, you know, the Chargers won a game they could have lost um, with that win in Washington. And that was a game that last year's team probably would have lost. Um, uh, much disrespect to Anthony Lynn. Um, my question is, you know, how much of that was because it was against a Washington team that lost its starting quarterback and didn't have Curtis Samuel? I don't know. Uh, probably some. I mean, Herbert did torch him. But, you know, as Steve mentioned, they only put the ball in the end zone twice. Um the Chargers didn't have much of a ground game. So, you know, the, the question is how much of that was Washington's defense responsible for? And I think the question to both is actually a lot. You know, with that said, I'm not ready to jump on the Chargers bandwagon yet. You know, Dallas would have, could have beaten the Bucks, uh, but they didn't. Um, you know, clock management down the end or lack thereof, I, you know, cost them that. They they could have been able to, to hang on to the ball forever and, and just didn't. So there's the whole can I trust McCarthy thing. And, you know, I'm not sure about that either. Uh, you would think the Chargers would get the betting respect here, but it was actually Dallas that, that the early betters did love and grabbed most of the plus threes and they went down. And then, of course, then the Dallas injury report comes out. You know, Demarcus Lawrence, Wilson Wright, um, Chauncey Gibson, all defensive players are, are either out or limited. So then everybody went back and pushed that number to three and a half. Uh, and so, you know, I it's one of those ones like Steve had mentioned about Buffalo. I'm, I'm leery. Um, 
But I do think Dallas scores plenty here, and their defense uh, at least slows Herbert down. Uh, and the Cowboys have had a couple extra days rest to game plan this. And, you know, having said all that, I think Dallas at plus nine and a half right now uh, is my favorite teaser side of the week. So I'm going to use them in that respect and uh, stay away from the, the three, three and a half and, and not be um, sort of overridden by whatever the market might or might not say in terms of that line. I'm just going to tease Dallas up. I, I like that. You know, I'm hoping maybe it goes to four and I can get 10. Yeah, I don't mind that either, Uncle Dave. I think that's actually probably better than the play that, that I recommended there, just taking Dallas straight up with the three and a half. I feel like it gives you a little bit of a buffer, and I don't see Dallas, you know, with that offense being able to go in and get blown out uh, in that particular game. Let's jump over to 49ers at the Eagles. 49ers, they'll be a favorite here on the road. 49ers minus three, total 49 and a half or 50, depending on what shop you shop at. Uncle Dave, I'll throw it right back to you. 49ers at Eagles. How are you feeling about that one? I'm feeling beaten up by Steve telling me I picked all the games everybody already gave out. I mean, that's just very disheartening. So this will be the last time I pick the games. I'm going to just take my bat and ball and go home. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get anybody in trouble here. Um, but in terms of the, I picked the games I thought were the most interesting. That's all I can tell you. Um, I, you know, I gave out the Eagles as a lean last week against the Falcons, and I should have just bet them, you know. Um, I'm really kind of pissed at myself for, for not following through on that. Uh, and I suppose this week it would be easy to have recency bias after the late collapse of the 49ers in Detroit. Uh, and the same can be said for an overreaction to Philadelphia beating what, you know, it's a less than good Falcons team to be nice about it. And, you know, if only that were, you know, if only it was always that simple. But, you know, I think it might be. Um, you know, I could take some of Goff's stats as garbage time playing from behind. Uh, but the 49ers did allow over 100 yards rushing to a, a stationary quarterback, which Hurts is obviously not. You know, he adds another dimension. Something else I mentioned last week, they didn't follow through on him. And, of course, he rushes for 62 yards. So do as I say, not as I do. I think uh, even though the Eagles held Atlanta to six points, that the biggest takeaway there for me for the Eagles was it was a win. A momentum builder, you know, Sirianni's first win. Uh, they're the only NFC team that did win last week. And, you know, they come home with an actual crowd for the first time. And, you know, the defense held Atlanta to 136 passing yards in spite of the Falcons throwing the ball 35 times and playing from behind. So, you know, any bet on the 49ers here, I think, has asked them to win a second road game on the East Coast, uh, which we know is less of a factor than it used to be. Uh, but before a Sunday night home opener against the Packers, who they've played each of the last four years. So will they actually be looking ahead? Probably not, but, you know, when I add all the little things up, I come up with one big thing, and that's the fact that Philadelphia might well win this game. So this is another uh, WTF game for me. I think the wrong team's favorite. I like the Eagles. Well, I took Philly with plus three and a half, and and I immediately thought that that number was going to go away. I think that you have to pizza bet, too, the Eagles on the money line. So I'm kind of in line with you here again, Uncle Dave. I don't know how you get to San Fran in this particular game. Right now, they're, they're using a two-quarterback system with a banged-up running back committee. And you also have Brandon Ayuk, who is kind of MIA missing in action right now. George Kittle, you know, in his first action last week back after a hiatus, you know, from his injuries and stuff from last year, he didn't look exactly super solid. And I think I was surprised a little bit by that Philadelphia offense. Hertz looked really good. He was throwing the ball. You know, to Smith, Rager, Goddard. I mean, Ertz even got in on the action. The running backs looked really good. But I really think it comes down to the Philadelphia offensive line. And that's that's going to be one of the big things that I probably bring up a lot throughout this season. 
Philadelphia struggled last year because their offensive line was just absolutely a mess. And we're starting to see a lot of things that we didn't see last year. And we're like, well, why is this? Why is that? I'm telling you, it's because of the offensive line. Jalen Hurts is going to look better. Receivers going to be able to get open. Last year, I mean, they, they were pulling guys off the practice squads and out of the grocery stores to go ahead and catch the football. But we don't have that situation. Philly defense last week, they gave up 74 yards and 72 yards, I think, on the first two drives. And then they gave up 77 yards from drive three through 12. So it was like nine straight drives and only gave up 77 yards. So I don't know what the hell the defense did. But I think a lot of people probably thought, you know, the Philly defense was at least half decent. You know, their D-line has generally been, you know, the, the strength of that defense. But uh, the secondary stepped up. Even the linebacking core stepped up, which, you know, I have them kind of rated a little bit low. But, look, I think it's Philly or nothing. I took the three and a half. I would be happy to take the three. I would even make sure that I put a little bit of pizza money on the plus 125 or 130 or whatever you can get right now with Philadelphia. I don't know how the hell you get to the 49ers here. I just don't like it right now. Steve, what do you got? Well, first off, I do want to thank Dave for bringing these plays to the table because it's easy for me to talk about them. And I think it's unanimous at this point because we are also on Philadelphia plus three and a half on the opener. And the line's starting to drift towards that three, but there's certainly three and a half still available, which you mentioned before. Um, I, I got to be honest, I was really low on Philadelphia to start the year. I've, I'm actually holding an under six and a half win total bet uh, on Philadelphia. So I certainly was not a fan of them. I've never been a fan of them as a Giants fan myself uh, growing up as a child. And obviously that has matriculated to this point right now as well. Um, but I moved them up actually one and a half points after an impressive performance in Atlanta where they dominated the Falcons 38 to six. The question is, was that a product of Atlanta's ineptitude or Philadelphia's improvement? Like th that is the question for basically all of these week one games. Was it the, the victor that we're celebrating or is it the person that lost the team that lost? Are we downgrading them and who's sharing that ownership there? So that is something I really don't know what to do, but it's tough not to look at Philadelphia in week one and think of how impressive they were. Uh, speaking of impressive, Hertz looked the part in week one. He connected with his rookie college teammate, Devontae Smith, for six receptions on eight targets for 71 yards and a touchdown. He's a rookie. It looked like he, he's ready to play immediately. San Francisco dominated their game, uh, despite the box score making it look seem closer than they actually were. Uh, you know, it's a, a phrase from the Meatloaf classic that always brings me back. Objects in the rearview mirror seem closer than they are. Uh, Detroit wasn't that close in that game. Uh, we've often stated that the San Francisco team uh, is a team that you want to bet on early because of those injuries start to pile up, and inevitably they will. Uh, they may even switch to Trey Lance's, which is somebody that we don't want behind center for them uh, if we're backing San Francisco. Uh, I did downgrade San Francisco a half a point after letting Detroit back into the game on Sunday. Uh, in hindsight, it may have been an overreaction at the time, but we're going to get to that more in a second here. Uh, after all, they did have 3.9 net yard uh, advantage, yards per play advantage, which is insane. They lost the turnover battle, and they were up 41-17 to 17 in the fourth quarter. If you stop the game at that point, I think the perception on the San Francisco game is completely different. Uh, their defense faced 57 pass attempts and only gave up 5.9 yards per attempt. But the Lions were able to rush for 4.8 yards per carry, which obviously is not good. And it's tough to get excited about a win against the, one of the worst teams in the NFL. It could be the worst team in the NFL in the Detroit Lions, but you can only play who's on your schedule. Now, here's where I'm not overly upset about what we did with downgrading uh, San Francisco in this respect. They have injuries to Raheem Mostert, their starting running back, 
and the linebacker, Dre Greenlaw. And, and both are major hits to their sides of the ball. So there is a downgrade on both sides there, which I think does make up for that half, half of a uh, point that we downgraded them in that respect. Garoppolo passed for over 300 yards. Hertz manufactured over 300 yards himself in the air and on the ground, which could lead to higher scoring contests. I haven't played that myself, but that's something that we are going to take a look at for sure. But the, that number has climbed from the opener. The only reason I'd be concerned about our, our play is that San Francisco, San Francisco spent the week on the East Coast, which tends to be a bonding opportunity for teams, and, and they tend to play better in those environments. Uh, but I'm, I'm still pretty excited, just like the guys said tonight. Uh, you know, certainly Philadelphia plus three and a half I'm excited about, and it looks like the market is agreeing with us as those numbers are trending down to that minus three there. All right, well, we all agree there that Philly looks like uh, they're the side to uh, go after. For that particular game, let's jump over to the next one here. We got the Rams and the Colts. Rams are on the road here at Indianapolis. Rams minus three and a half. Total 47 and a half or 48, depending on where you shop at. I particularly don't have a lot in this game. My original first thought was just go ahead and take the three and a half. And it seems like I'm, I'm taking a lot of three and a halves this week. So that's what I would do. I don't really have a strong handicap for this game because I don't feel super strong about the Colts. But... My gut feeling says take the three and a half. I know the Rams looked, let's just say, half decent against the Bears. But uh, when you have Andy Dalton out there running your offense, sometimes I wonder how motivated that team actually is. And I think that was actually a tough spot there for Chicago. I do like Chicago this weekend, though. Uh, I will go ahead and say that. So for me, it would be the Colts plus the three and a half. More than likely, probably not going to play it. So I'll call it an official pass for this podcast. Uncle Dave, I'll throw it over to you. Rams, Colts, what are you thinking? The question here is, are the Rams that good having beaten the Bears and are, are the Colts that bad having lost to Seattle? And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, as it usually is. Um, but against the Seahawks, the Colts ran 18 more plays, had more first downs, punted less, less penalized, won the time of possession battle by a wide margin, um, and, and obviously lost the game fairly handily. But, you know, that secondary was victimized by a mobile quarterback for chunk yardage. And, you know, Stafford isn't as mobile as Wilson. I think, honestly, Seattle has a better wide receiving core. But, you know, the Rams did the same thing to the Bears with the big plays. Uh, and Jackson only had two catches. So we have to, you know, look at both quarterbacks in this game with limited reps with new teams. They should only get better. Um, as expected, the Rams took all the early money. Uh, but for Indianapolis, it really is already desperation time in week two. Uh, if they fall to 0-2, uh, they've got games in the next three weeks, I think, at Tennessee, at Miami, and at Baltimore. So, you know, 0-5 is a very real possibility for this team uh, that a lot of people are kind of high on. With that in mind, you know, I'd like to make a case for the Colts, even tease, but I really just can't. You know, the Rams' defense with, with Donald and Ramsey, arguably the two best at their positions in the NFL, uh, is just too much to swallow for me to make that bet. You know, Stafford's like a kid in the candy store anymore with actual hope. And Wentz is like a kid in the candy store uh, with his own team now and far less talent. You know, I trust McVay. I, I trust Stafford. Uh, and the Rams' defense just is that much better uh, than trusting the Colts' defense. And, you know, Wentz, um, no disrespect to Frank Wrights, but, you know, I think the Colts have been a little stubborn and a little hasty with Wentz. And, you know, no preseason. Uh, I think they just are, are going with it. And, you know, I'm not sure that was a good idea, but, you know, I think that 0-5 before mentioned start is – more likely to happen than the Colts winning this game. So I actually like the Rams. All right. Well, there's Uncle Dave. He's going to go ahead and take 
the Rams on that one. Steve, I'll let you go and close up the Rams-Colts. What are you thinking? I don't have a really great feeling about this either way. Uh, I have the Chicago Bears ranked as a 2016, so I'm not sure we should wax poetic about the Rams' performance in week one. Uh, they did have a three yards per play advantage over the Bears. Uh, I did upgrade at the Rams a half a point off that win. Uh, they remain healthy, and Stafford does look the part again. He's from, And that could be formidable moving forward. No, I feel like he unlocks that offense in a way that Goff could, never could. Uh, if you look at his stats in week one, he was 20 of 26 for th- 321 yards, three touchdowns, and 156.1 passer rating, which is nearly perfect in that regard. Uh, Cup was targeted 10 times, four more than any of the Rams. So as far as any like fantasy players out there or player props, maybe that's something we look at upcoming here. Uh, the Rams like to throw the ball deep, which is something that the Colts actually struggled with in week one against the Seahawks. If you take a look at Russell Wilson's stats, he averaged 11 yards per attempt for 152.3 passing rating. So if that is something that Stafford's looking to do, he should have his way with the Colts, which has me leaning towards the Rams in that respect. Uh, the Colts also couldn't stop the run, giving up 140 yards on 5.2 yards per carry, which was supposedly a strength last year. Uh, the Rams' defense is even better than the Seahawks, so it'll be interesting to see how the Colts do w- against this type of defense as well. Uh, the box score says that Wentz had a decent game, but if you actually watched it, he got all those yards and all that progress late in the game, so all those stats that you see accumulated was basically in garbage time. Indy is a team that I've been looking to fade early in the year uh, because of those injuries we talked about last week, and it stunted their offseason momentum. You know, there was a lot of momentum carrying through the preseason, and all of a sudden, everybody got hurt. So I think they're going to be better later in the year. It's just not right now. It's not a team that I'm looking to back at the moment. Uh, Playing the Seahawks and the Rams to start the year is no easy go. So if they go 0-2, I kind of think that's the expectation. I don't think that's anything that we should take away from it. Uh, but if they start 0-2 and they start a losing streak here to start the year, now you're starting getting those questions about Wentz again. Is he the starting quarterback? Should they bench him? All those sort of things I think is going to be a problem for that team. Uh, Pinnacle had the Rams minus 3.5, minus 102 uh, earlier when I was looking at the line. If that actually hits 3, I actually might consider laying the field goal. This is a game that I was going to pass entirely, but if it does go to Rams minus 3, it, I might throw a little bit of something on there, especially now that uh, Darius Leonard is back, um, you know, banged up on that defense. He's certainly an integral part of that day. You know, one play I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make for this game, it would probably end up being my strongest play, it would probably end up having to be Jonathan Taylor over his rushing yards, which right now you can find, you know, in that area of like 60, 65 yards. I have the LA Rams linebacking core as like bottom five in the league. And if you go back to last week and I, and I mentioned a couple of props, you know, David Montgomery's over. He absolutely ran all over that Rams defense, and it was David Montgomery. Historically, hasn't been exactly, you know, the greatest running back in the league. But Taylor last week got 17 carries in a game which they were probably going to end up being a little bit more pass-dependent in that game. So I like Jonathan Taylor over his rushing prop uh, anywhere from 60 to 65 yards. I think you guys will have an easy time finding that, but I am not high at all. To be honest with you, on the Rams' defense what, as a whole, I think they have Aaron Donald, they have J- Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it's Basically, it's two all-pros and nine all-knows. So that's kind of the way I'm feeling right now about that Rams' defense. I just think a lot of people are way behind the curve on them. I don't think they're going to be that good of a unit. And last week, I don't think they exactly showed you know that they're uh, that they're necessarily elite with, with Andy Dalton and Montgomery. You know, going out there and throwing for what, like 260 and ran for 100. So uh, I am a little suspect on that Rams defense. So 
I just wanted to go ahead and touch on that. Let's go ahead and touch on our last game here, guys. Uh, this one should be pretty good. We got the Vikings at the Cardinals. Cardinals last week, you know, rather impressive as they went on the road. They beat up on Tennessee, and the Vikings, they fell pretty much flat on their face. Cardinals for this game, going to be minus 3.5. We have a total of 51. Uh, there are some 50.5s out there as well. Uncle Dave, I'll throw it over to you first. Vikings, Cardinals, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I gave out the Cardinals season win total over earlier this year, and that's a bet I fully expect to cash. I was on Arizona last week. I will not be this week. You know, I think this is one knee-jerk reaction to the, the Cardinals' run of Tennessee that's absolutely correct. I mean, Arizona didn't have an awesome statistical game, but they didn't need to. You know, they played with a sizable lead most of the game. The, the key thing there, they held Derrick Henry to 58 yards. So fast forward, do you think Dalvin Cook's going to beat Arizona by himself? No. Uh, I've never been a Cousins fan. And, and once again, last week, he couldn't get it done late against the Bengals when he had multiple opportunities. I think the Vikings losing that game in overtime uh, was both emotionally and physically draining. And, you know, I compare that to the walkthrough the Cardinals had. It's, it's clear which team is fresher here. And, you know, Minnesota lost that game again. Instead of uh, winning almost every stat category, I'd put much stock in, uh, which just makes it worse for them and Mike Zimmer. Uh, and people bring up Arizona, they immediately think of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and rightfully so. But most forget that they have J.J. Watt now. Um, he's not what he was, but he's better than most, and he's a locker room presence. They still have Chandler Jones, five sacks last week, and second-year guy Isaiah Simmons. He was the eighth pick in last year's draft, and last week he led the Cardinals with tackles and had an interception. So, you know, Q, the Vikings have a rough time moving the ball against Cincinnati and coming into Arizona. I don't know. I would consider the under, although I suspect many won't, uh, and there could be a better number later. But, you know, I can't do anything uh, but take Arizona, uh, which I grabbed three when the lines came out. Uh, but I still think Arizona covers here. Um, I would be the first one not to take the obvious, as you guys know. But, you know, the obvious isn't always wrong. Uh, and, again, you have Arizona coming back for their, their first home game, and they have fans and they have excitement. And, you know, for, for several years – you know, it used to be the home field advantage was like huge. I don't know. You know, we don't have to talk about how how much of a point value it was, but you know, home underdogs always covered. And and then the last maybe four or five years, it's kind of been the other way around, where home field uh, was pretty much overvalued, and a lot of the road favorites uh, won and won handily, uh, which goes back to something you said, Sleepy, about you know just take the better team and and do the obvious. And you know, I think this year we saw it a little bit last week, but I got I think we're going to see it more. Uh, for at least the next few weeks in that, you know, the home field does mean a lot, especially this year with, with fans coming back and especially, you know, until teams start to get eliminated and, and apathy comes in. Uh, but I, I, I love Arizona here, and uh, I don't think there's anything either one of you guys could say that could change my mind, uh, whether whether Steve gave out a bet on it or not. I, I love the Cardinals. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this particular game is if you see what the Cardinals did last week, their Uncle Dave to Derrick Henry, it might actually give you a little bit of hope that they could probably do the same thing to Dalvin Cook. And I think the Vikings' rush defense is actually quite good. I think maybe they can go ahead and bog down that Cardinals' rushing attack. And I think this ends up being more of a passing game. So I would be a little bit on the opposite side of here, Uncle Dave. I would probably lean towards the over. As far as the side is concerned, I'm not sure because I don't know how good this Cardinals team is. I believe we all think that they're better than they were last year. I think they kind of have to be. So I would either lean there with you, Uncle Dave, but, man, I've been taking so many three-and-a-halves, I, I sure as hell don't want to lay it. Um, 
So I'll pass the side, lean to the over, and I might actually look for a couple props here uh, for this particular game. But I'm going to keep it short and sweet with that. I don't want to take too much risk on that particular game. Steve, I'll let you go ahead and wrap it up. Vikings, Cardinals, what are you thinking? Yeah, so this is uh, – it's interesting here, right? So I didn't give out a bet. I made a personal bet at Minnesota plus four and a half. Uh, you know, it started off minus three, went up to four and a half, and then it came back down to three and a half right now. Uh, with the public getting involved, I wouldn't be shocked if we see some Arizona money here. Uh, you know, Arizona looked incredible in week one. Minnesota did not. Uh, the Cardinals had a 2.3 yards per play advantage against Tennessee. A Tennessee team that was supposed to finish above 500, compete for that division crown, and still may even win it. I mean, they may even be the favorite. I don't even know what the odds are right now. Uh, but they did not look good in week one. Arizona was plus two in turnover, so that should temper expectations a little bit, but it doesn't really make up for the 25-point loss. You're not explaining that you lost by 25 points because you lost two turnovers. Uh, we saw the good out of uh, Kyler Murray in week one, but he has that propensity to vacillate back and forth. Sometimes I watch him play, and I'm like, he's incredible. He's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And then other times I'm like, he, no, he's bottom half. So I never really know what to expect from him. And, and I'm curious if there's more defenses that I'm not understanding that just play uh, against him uh, more so than uh, than I'm understanding right now. Minnesota, on the other hand, is a team I had uh, high to start on the year. And obviously the disappointing loss to uh, Cincinnati in overtime is not helping those tickets that I have in my pocket right now. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. But it, it, it's almost impossible to win when you have 12 penalties for 116 yards and you lose the turnover battle. So Minnesota put themselves in a position to potentially win the game in overtime, and they had 12 penalties for 116 yards. That's insane. You, you, they need to get better than that. And I'm curious if this is something to do with Mike Zimmer and what's going on in the offseason with them. They clearly are having infighting with, you know, the whole vaccination. And it just seems like it may be even more than that, which is a concern moving forward here. Um, but ultimately, you know, Chandler Jones had five sacks, which is going to be a problem for Minnesota because they have some offensive line in issues. He, Chandler Jones is on pace for 85 sacks this season, which I think breaks, uh, you know, Michael Strahan's record. And I'm just curious if Brett Favre will fall down in front of Chandler Jones so he can actually take that crown from Michael Strahan. Uh, I'm not sure if that will happen or not. Uh, Minnesota gave up 20 of 26 for two touchdowns and 128 passer rating to Joe Burrow coming off of an injury. And clearly Kyler Murray's better than that. Uh, Minnesota did was able to tally five sacks on seven hits, but that might be more difficult because of the uh, the elusiveness that Kyler Murray brings to the game. Kirk Cousins was also impressive himself. He had 351 yards, but you know it's tough to get excited about Kirk Cousins after a loss to Cincinnati, uh, and especially when da Dalvin Cook struggled. He only got 3.1 yards per carry himself, uh, and now he's going up against a team that held Derrick Henry to only 58 yards. So I'm really curious, and, and if you're talking about something, what you're looking at watching a game, and you're trying to want to watch something different than just the game outcome, I want to see what Dalvin Cook does against this defense right now. Um, like I said, I have that four and a half ticket, but I don't feel overly confident about it, and I certainly didn't give it out to anybody else. Um, I'd lean Minnesota, but I don't feel great about it. And after talking to you guys and, and, and hearing Dave's uh, excitement for Arizona, it's certainly a play that I'm going to uh, stay off of. I'm not going to do anything more than I've already done. All right. Well, I felt like we had a pretty good podcast there, guys. Went through all the games, gave out a bunch of picks. No derivatives on this one. I'm surprised, Uncle Dave, because you usually have some first quarter, first half stuff. But Well, you know, 
you know, Sleepy, I just have too much work to do right now to get that deep into the derivatives. You know, you're, you're making me do college football. You're making me do the NFL. Um, thank God you're not making me do golf right now. Um, you know, you want derivatives, fine. Next week, I will give you nothing but derivatives. Then you'll say, but what about this eye, Uncle Dave? <laughs> I mean, I thought Steve and, 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 and Chris were those kind of derivative guys. I thought I was just going to pick winners. I like it, Dave. As long as you're picking winners and we're tailing those, I'm excited about that. Well, thank you for that. I, I told you I'm not picking the games. You send me by Monday afternoon the games you want to do next week or Sleepy. That is fair. We can do that. But if I wait for Sleepy, I might not get until two hours before we're supposed to record. <laughs> then you're going to get nothing but derivatives. I can break down the first quarter. All right, Uncle Dave, enough joke. I will say this about derivative betting. We've done podcasts for how long, Uncle Dave, you and I? Six years? I mean, we've been doing podcasts for quite some time. I actually got the best derivative bet last week from Dan Rivera. And uh, he gave us Arizona first half over 10 and a half. I went and bet it, and I looked at it like three days later, and that, that number was long gone, and that ticket ended up cash. But that was a, a really good handicap from Dan, and uh, you guys will go ahead. You'll hear Dan, and you'll hear Jay Smoove. Uh, we have our other half of our games that we're going to go ahead and cover, but big thanks Uncle Dave and Steve for going ahead jumping on and covering these six games. Uh, you guys know where to find us on Twitter, at Dave underscore Essler, at Avoid the Vig, and at SleepyJ underscore Pregame. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.